Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, folks, I knew Rush was sick. I didn't know how sick he was, honestly. And uh, uh, he's a fighter. And if anyone can pull through it, it's him. It's obviously a very serious illness, disease, uh, lung cancer, advanced lung cancer. Uh, But I I, want to tell you this. This man deserves all of our support and all of our prayers. He has made a huge difference in our lives, and in the country. Not just talk radio. I mean, he has really stood in the breach. He's the vanguard. Simply no question about that. Entertaining, substantive, unique, Very few people make such an impact on so many people. He is responsible for the resurgence of talk radio. And he's responsible for nationally syndicated talk radio being successful. You're listening to the golden age of radio. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. It's now. It's him. He's the golden age of radio. And the things he says are so smart and so brilliantly stated that so many people with advanced degrees, with thick books, were very either smitten by him or jealous of him. But you know what? Rush was never smitten by or jealous of anybody. He's a regular guy. A regular guy. Very quiet. In person. And and, uh, self-effacing. And uh, when he would come under brutal attack... It bothered him a lot. He didn't show it, but it bothered him a lot. In some ways, he didn't understand it. He understood the left. But he was a man of ideas, and is a man of ideas, and wants to engage in those ideas. Ideas. What's so harmful? And he really 
breathed a lot of life into conservatism after Reagan. He certainly did. And has. Because the Republican Party lost its way. And he pointed that out. He pointed it out. He's a big supporter of Reagan. Big supporter of the Tea Party movement. Big supporter of President Trump. Always way ahead of the curve. And a great sense of humor. Hilarious. I can remember when Landmark Legal Foundation, I suggested to him, I said, why don't we give you the Nobel Peace Prize? We can nominate you, you know. Everybody seems to nominate Al Gore. He thought it was hilarious, and that's what we did. It's very, very important. Very important. I think, my audience, that we stay positive, that we pray for Rush. I don't pray a lot, but I'll be praying. And this is the genius of America, science and faith. Science and faith. They're not at odds. One needs the other. And you can believe in both in the right way. And I'm sure he will have the best doctors and find the best doctors out there. But it's important that you have faith and give faith. And uh, he's a remarkable man. Last year or so, I haven't really been able to speak to him as much as I'd like to. But it's been a tough 15 months for the Levin family. With my father and mother and other things going on. And so it's important that we do everything we can. Those of you who are believers in your own churches, in your own faith. To to get behind our man. As he's been behind us all this time. All this time. And uh, so much of what I have learned about what I do here in radio is from him. Listening to him. Watching him. It's a funny thing how I I became part of his orbit. Uh, We just out of the blue start sending in some legal analysis and so forth. This is a long time ago. How long ago was it? Over 20 years ago? 25 years ago? Whatever it was. And Cookie, back then I would fax it. She'd run to the fax machine, run down the hallway, give it the rush. He'd either use it or he wouldn't. But he always gave attribution to it. Then out of the blue, F. Lee Levin, director of my legal division. It's hilarious. After F. Lee Bailing. Nobody has his sense of humor. And nobody can mix his sense of humor with his substance. That's why he's the superstar. He's the Wayne Gretzky. Or as they say, the Babe Ruth. That's him. And um, I have hope. A lot of hope. Because I have faith and belief. It's... I'm not a Pollyanna, 
about this stuff, having uh, lived through and witnessed it. But that said, uh, you heard him today. He is upbeat, but serious. He's, he loves you, his audience, his massive audience, and that's no joke. In fact, in many ways, he lives for you. He's had an enormous and has an enormous influence on so many of us. And so I want you to listen. Some of you were at work or didn't hear it. But if you did, it's worth hearing again. It's a class act, this man. Sean called him stoic. Absolutely. And I would add courageous. A man of deep faith. Didn't talk about it, as he pointed out. But he has a relationship with God. I do, too. I don't really go through a bureaucracy all that much, but neither did he. Anyway, here's Rush uh, near the end of his program today. Go ahead. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th. Uh, first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment and I know that that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people wondering what's going on and the worst thing that can happen is when there is something going on and you try to hide it and cover it up it's eventually going to leak and then people are going to why didn't you just say it why just did it why why do you try to fool everybody and it's not that I want to fool anybody it's just that I, I don't want to burden anybody with it and I haven't wanted to um but it is what it is. And you know me, I'm the mayor of Realville. So this has happened. And my intention is to come here every day I can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as I do each and every day. And, uh, and that's what he will do. And we'll be hanging on his every syllable, as we always have and always will. <clears throat> I, I don't run to Facebook and Twitter and start posting things as if I have to be the first one out there. I uh, needed to think about this. And there really wasn't anything I felt I could write that would properly reflect my views on Twitter or Facebook. So I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to talk to you. If you want to talk to me, that's fine. We will do that for a period of time. I know you all have thoughts in your minds and hearts too. And, um, and we will 
to move on the next hour. I just want to emphasize something. This is not a eulogy. I believe strongly that he will fight, and if anyone can beat this, he will beat it. So, let's keep that in mind. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. You know, uh, I'm no rabbi. I'm no preacher. They're a lot smarter than I am. They understand these things a lot better than I do. And so I won't preach to you. But you know what? I think the word that Rush believes in the most, beyond faith, is the word liberty. I mean, in my interactions with him over the years, that's what he cared about, liberty, liberty. You don't hear it discussed much. You don't hear it discussed on the Senate floor. You don't hear it discussed in the debates. You don't hear it discussed on television. You barely hear it discussed on radio. And the the thing about Rush, he lives his life the way he wants to live his life. He lives his life the way he wants to live his life. And he wants other people to be able to do it too. I mean, this is a man who could not stand the classroom, which is quite different than a man who was curious about philosophy and history and economics and in so many ways is self-taught and smarter than anybody on these topics. He didn't want to be confined by classrooms or confined to a particular textbook or confined to the teachings of a particular teacher. His mind is remarkable. I'm telling you this. You know this. We all know this. And if he was interested in something and is interested in it, like technology... I'm a complete, a complete throwback when it comes to technology. You want to know anything about technology? You ask Rush. You want to know how you set up your computer? You ask Rush. You want to know about cars? Some cars? You ask Rush. 
And you want to know about the founding? Don't ask me. Ask Rush. I'm quite serious about this. And he knew how to relate to people better than anybody. And you know what? He relates to people through common sense, through substantive arguments, through reflection, through good temperament. And he had a lot of fun, and still does. And this is why they so often try to take him out. You take out Rush Limbaugh. You're taking out the George S. Patton of Liberty. But he is the George S. Patton of Liberty. So he's not going to be and wasn't going to be taken out. Not by mere mortals. No way. Presidents know. Presidents know. That it matters what Rush says. And not just because you listen to him and he has a big audience. But because he's. He, he's got wisdom. Wisdom. And so, and by the way, his family, my wife Julie and I were at a wedding. I guess it's now two Augusts from now. Uh, the Limbaugh, David Limbaugh, his daughter, <coughs> and uh, there's so many Limbaugh's, I can't even count them all, by the way. Every single one of them is kind and decent and thoughtful and smart. Every single one of them. And you know David Limbaugh. He's been on my show. He's been on my TV show. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He's my lawyer. He's everybody's lawyer, come to think of it. And why wouldn't he be? So uh, the contribution of Rush Limbaugh and his family is immense. But in my view, the word liberty defines him. And I feel quite strongly that tens of millions of us really focus on this with our prayer. And he gets the best that science can offer. He's got a good shot at this. I really believe that in my heart and soul. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. 
America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. No, no, I don't know about that. Certainly don't know about that. So we're going to move on for now. For now. Not for good. For now. And we will be back and back and back and back. Uh for our leader, Rush Limbaugh. Now, I will not be here Wednesday through Friday. Uh, Something's scheduled uh, in advance. Don't worry. Just need to go where I need to go. So, I will be back on Monday. It has nothing to do with any of this. And uh, nothing to do with health, for once. So... You know, the left says faith doesn't matter. Faith does matter. Sometimes their prayers are answered, sometimes they're not. But the act of prayer itself is a good thing. It's an important thing. As I say, I don't pray a lot, but I do pray, and I don't talk about it. And, um... All right, I'll tell you what. These, uh... What's going on in the United States Senate is so exhaustingly stupid. Exhaustingly stupid. If I hear Adam Schiff one more time, Mr. Producer, I I don't know what's going to happen. This guy is such a liar and such a demagogue. It's just hard to take him anymore. And you know he's going to run for the Senate in California as soon as Dianne Frankenfeinstein retires. But of course, they talk about the Republicans are being political. You know, to be so self-righteous and so insane, it's a scary combination. And yet, there's Adam Schiff. Lies repeatedly to the American people. And what he did in the House of Representatives will be, going, will be remembered throughout history as the most corrupt process that's ever been permitted. And, and so will the first woman uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Remember when they used to say, if women were in power, things would be so much nicer and things would work so much better. Remember that, Mr. Producer? All the time. Oh, these men, they don't know how to get along. Really? Well, what am I witnessing now? And so let's listen a little bit, not to Adam Schiff, even though we have clip after clip after clip of the Castro-like Adam Schiff telling us about the Constitution, which is hilarious. Which Constitution, Adam? The Russian Constitution? Everybody knows that was a farce. Pat Cipollone, who's done an outstanding job as White House counsel, today on the floor. Cut one, go. And at the end of the day, the key conclusion, we believe the only conclusion based on the evidence and based on the articles of impeachment themselves and the Constitution is that you must vote to acquit the president. At the end of the day, this is an effort to overturn the results of one election and to try to interfere in the coming election that begins today in Iowa. 
And we believe that the only proper result, if we're applying the golden rule of impeachment, if we're applying the rules of impeachment that were so eloquently stated by members of the Democratic Party the last time we were here, the only appropriate result here is to acquit the president and to leave it to the voters to choose their president. Which Adam Schiff has said, don't. Leave it to Adam Schiff to choose the Republican nominee. That must be quite a... Quite an imagination that reprobate has. And of course, they are going to be voting in these caucuses that nobody understands outside of Iowa. Uh, today, tonight. But nothing's happened yet. We don't have any information. And we won't have any information, maybe until the third hour. Nobody has any information. It's being hyped a lot. And I want to talk about this later. Bernie Sanders. I've told you how dangerous this man is. And I do not understand why some Republicans, both in the media and out of the media, feel the need to come to his defense when other Democrats are trying to screw him. Don't we want other Democrats to screw him, Mr. Producer? Why do we care? Why why do we say, oh, look at that, they're going to steal it from Bernie? Well, because, Mark, we want the president to run against Bernie. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you a little secret? They're all Bernie. They're all Bernie now. Even that clown that's worth $50 billion, Michael Bloomberg, he's Bernie. Patrick Philbin, enormously impressive, on the floor of the Senate today, cut to go. The House of Representatives also is not above the law in the way they conduct the impeachment proceedings and bring a matter here before the Senate. Because in very significant and important respects, they didn't follow the law. From the outset, they began an impeachment inquiry here without a vote from the House and therefore without lawful authority delegated to any committees to begin an impeachment inquiry against the President of the United States. That was unprecedented in our history. The Speaker of the House does not have authority by holding a press conference to delegate the sole power of impeachment from the House to a committee. And And ladies and gentlemen, the moment that occurred, I told you exactly that. That's not how this works. This isn't how it works. I've called her Eva Perot. I've called Perot. I've told. I've. Uh, I've called her fascistic. You, you can't just declare that you're going to have an impeachment inquiry. The House has to vote on it. The power belongs to the House, not one member of the House of Representatives. Whether you call her Speaker, or you call her, uh, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. Go ahead. Totally unauthorized and invalid subpoenas were issued as a beginning of this impeachment inquiry. After that, the House violated every principle of due process and fundamental fairness in the way the hearings were conducted. And we've been through that. I'm not going to go through the details again. But it's significant because denying the president the ability to be present through counsel to cross-examine witnesses and to present evidence fundamentally skewed the proceedings in the House of Representatives. Yeah, they didn't have all the information when the members were voting. And Pelosi, through her consigliaries, uh, including especially Schiff, made that absolutely clear. And so the American people didn't have access to additional information. Now, I want you to remember something I told you in April 2019. When you think about Bernie Sanders, 
because I actually typed it up, and I never type my stuff up, and I, unless I'm running a book, and I taped it to my printer right in front of me. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders' appeal. And here it is. The diabolical genius of Marxism-Socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to government. You're seeing that in Iowa with Bernie Sanders. People supporting their own enslavement to government because of his emotional appeal and his so-called intellectual roadmap. It's an appeal and a roadmap towards autocracy. Do you really want the government to own our public utilities? Do you really want the government to own health care? On what basis? Can you give me one example where this functions properly, where people are better off? Just one. Running around saying health care is a right doesn't mean everybody gets health care when they want it, when they need it, and so forth. The Veterans Administration, certainly before the reforms the president put in, is a perfect example. To say health care is a right, that veterans have a right to health care, ask some of them how long they've had to wait for this right. Ask the people in Canada about health care as a right. As so many of them come south of the border to come to the United States, or others flee Europe to come to the United States. To exclaim and declare something a right doesn't mean it's provided for. Doesn't mean you receive quality care. I do not comprehend, and I never will, it confounds me, how a thinking people can believe that incredibly intricate and complex decisions about medical care, about drugs, about about the diagnoses, about technologies, about the needs of every individual which are unique can be resolved in a centralized bureaucratic system which doesn't hire people based on their capacity to do things efficiently or with knowledge or intelligently, but people who are unionized. They're part of a civil service. They move up the ranks through seniority. How does that provide the expertise and the care that you need How does that provide expertise on running public utilities? No institution is perfect. And so what the left does is they cling to the imperfections, even though they represent a small fraction of any industry or any project and so forth. They cling to those that tell you about inequality and the failures. It's shocking. Look around you. This is a magnificent place. You really think Bernie Sanders can improve upon it? Bernie Sanders is running on an ideology. A defeated, impossible, in some ways criminal, fanatical ideology. And the one word he never uses, two words really, individual liberty. Individual liberty. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission 
since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Let's go back. Jay Sekulow at the impeachment trial today. Cut three, go. What this body, what this nation... What this president has just endured, what the House managers have forced upon this great body, is unprecedented and unacceptable. This is exactly and precisely what the founders feared. This was the first totally partisan presidential impeachment in our nation's history, and it should be our last. What the House Democrats have done to this nation, to the Constitution, to the office of the president, to the president himself, and to this body is outrageous. They have cheapened the awesome power of impeachment. And unfortunately, of course, the country is not better for that. We urge this body to dispense with these partisan articles of impeachment for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the Constitution. That was very well and succinctly put. I'll even put it more succinctly. The Democrat argument is nothing more than a collection of platitudes. By the way, misplaced platitudes, but platitudes. And they don't believe a damn thing they're saying. And if they do, then they have a serious collective psychiatric problem. More from Sekulow. Cut four, go. The bottom line is that the president's opponents don't like the president, and they really don't like his policies. They objected to the fact that the president chose not to rely each and every time on the advice of some of his subordinates, even though he, not those unelected bureaucrats who work for him, were elected to office. The president, under our constitutional structure, is the one who decides our nation's foreign policy. Here is a perfect example. The House managers brought this up frequently. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. He admitted on page 155 of his transcript testimony that he did not know if there was a crime or anything of that nature. That's his quote. But that he, again, quote, had deep policy concerns. So there you have it. The real issue is policy disputes. Elections have consequences. We all know that. And if you do not like the policies of a particular administration or a particular candidate, you are free and welcome to vote for another candidate. But the answer is elections, not impeachment. To be clear, in our country, in the United States, the president elected by the American people 
is, in the words of the Supreme Court, the sole organ of the federal government in the field of international relations and foreign policy for our government. No unelected bureaucrats, not unhappy members of the House of Representatives, and however you were to define high crimes and misdemeanors, there is no definition that includes disagreeing with a policy decision as an acceptable ground to removal of a president of the United States. There you have it, folks. We've got a lot more. And we'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our number 877. 877- 381-3811-877-381-3811. The Iowa caucuses are going on, and uh, I believe they close around 8 o'clock Eastern Time. We know something, you'll know something. Otherwise, it's all jibber-jabber. Yak, 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 yak. They say Bernie Sanders is in the lead. Bernie Sanders, a communist. Let me ask you a question. Bernie Sanders has never been a Democrat in his life. And then we have people saying, the Democrats are trying to stop him. Well, why wouldn't they? He's not a Democrat. He kind of uses the party. Uses the party. And that's what these Marxists do. They're like aliens. They cling on to something, and they use it for their own ends. Bernie Sanders doesn't care about the Democrat Party. At all. He calls himself a democratic socialist. So why didn't he start the Democratic Socialist Party and run on the Democratic Socialist line? You know, we've had socialists run before. Including even against Franklin Roosevelt. Midwesterners. Wisconsin. But Bernie Sanders doesn't write as a Demo- run as a democratic socialist, and nobody ever asks him why he doesn't run as a democratic socialist. Instead, he's trying to take down and take over the already miserable Democrat Party. But I wonder about that. What's the problem? Now, Mr. Kalkgren, I want you to clear a few lines. I want any Bernie Sanders supporters, no fakes, real, or I'll just hang up on you. To call this program and tell millions of people around the nation why you support Bernie Sanders and why we should support Bernie Sanders. I'm giving you an opportunity now that you'll never have again. Your candidate's too much of a coward to come on this program or any of my programs. But maybe maybe one or two or three of his supporters will call in and explain themselves and explain what it is exactly Bernie Sanders wants for the country. Now, I suspect we'll get nobody. So I'm challenging you to call. I think it's important that you explain yourselves. Bernie Sanders won't come on this program because we'd have a serious discussion about his ideology. 
and the Declaration and the Constitution. And whether or not all of them can coexist, which of course they can't. I want to know where the authority comes from to nationalize public utilities or nationalize health care or whatever it is. And don't cite some Supreme Court decision. Where's the authority in the Constitution? They never cite Supreme Court decisions when they lose. So why cite them when you win? I'm talking about the Constitution. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, the Constitution... Uh, my wife and I saw the Clarence Thomas movie this weekend, Mr. Producer. It was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And I learned more about Clarence Thomas than I knew before, even having read his book, because he elaborates on points. And one of the things you really are going to love about this, I don't know if they're going to run it additional days in the theaters or not. I mean, after all, he's not Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where they run it for months, and Hollywood gets behind it and so forth. But he, he speaks in a straightforward, common-sense way and tells you exactly what took place in his life during the hearings and so forth. And at the end of the movie, everybody applauded. Applauded. This is a giant. Speaking of giants, Clarence Thomas is a giant. He believes in the founding. He believes in fidelity to the Declaration and the Constitution. He believes in those words, natural law and natural rights, which mean what? God-given unalienable rights. God-given. Puts things in proper perspective. Not Bernie Sanders given. Not Elizabeth Warren given. God-given. And of course, for the Progressive left, the secularists, the statists, they cannot accept that. They reject it. Otherwise, their entire ideology falls apart. First of all, there's God. Can't have that. And secondly, there are the limits placed in the Constitution on their power. Well, can't have that. And third, this, this huge problem called unalienable rights. I keep hearing these guys on the Senate floor, Democrats, I think we call them, House managers. Now, they're Democrat managers. Every Republican voted against it. They're Democrat managers. They're Democrat handlers. They're Democrat propagandists through and through. Talk about democracy. Trump is a threat to our democracy. In a democracy... We have transparency. And of course, it's the opposite of everything they've done. But that's not the point. There is a huge distinction between a democracy and a republic. A democracy is extremely dangerous. We've talked about this, but to underscore the point. If you believe in unalienable rights and a democracy, they can't work together. Because that means people can vote to deny you your unalienable rights. The whole purpose of a constitutional republic is to secure your constitutional rights and protect them. From tyranny. Tyranny of the mob. You see tyranny of the mob right now. From tyranny of the few. 
from whatever the tyranny is. The Constitution is like a protective shield to protect the individual and the civil society. So they keep talking about a democracy and direct elections and this sort of thing. And I expand on this more tonight on Levin TV, but let me just touch this. Because we have a very odd thing going on in this country, and I'm one of the few who's willing to speak out against this. I am not a populist. Populism, which really had its first first sort of systemic view or, or, or tangible approach, was in the 18, late 1860s, early 1870s. They even had a populist or people's party back then. You see, the distinction between those who believe in individual liberty and those who believe in centralized government becomes ambiguous. If you're a populist, what does that mean? The people should rule. No. Is that what the Constitution says? The people should rule? They set up the Senate so the state legislatures choose the senators. They knew how to set it up if they wanted the people to vote. That was changed with the 17th Amendment. They set up the presidency so it's not a direct election, so there's an electoral college. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want a popular, quote-unquote, democracy, a mobocracy. The courts, lifetime appointments. I believe term limits, but what I believe is beside the point. They set up a court, lifetime appointment. The only directly elected body is the House of Representatives, part of the Congress. That's it. If they believed in populism, why would there be a Senate? If they believed in populism, why wouldn't you vote for judges? Wouldn't that be great, huh? No, it would be a disaster. In the states they have, in most states, it's a disaster. You know, when we're in Florida, we're driving through, and it's election time for their judges. Vote for Ernie Grabowski. District court. Nobody knows who the hell Ernie, Debr- Ernie Grabowski is. They're not reading his opinions. No. We're not a pure democracy. We're not even a democracy. And no, this isn't about populism. It's about constitutionalism. And constitutionalism is about upholding individual rights, liberty, God-given rights. So you need a governing body, you need a governing system in a civil society. Who's going to call the shots? It's a diverse society, there's a lot of people, there's a lot going on. you got a lot of states and so forth. So the Constitution is the roadmap. The Constitution is what lays it out. Now if you read Rediscovering Americanism, by the way, Mr. Producer, I told the publisher to send a copy to every Supreme Court justice after I watched this Clarence Thomas movie. I'm sure they'll all read it very carefully. Anyway, so if you understand progressivism, they have to reject our founding documents. They have to reject it. Because the emphasis is put on the individual and the individual's relationship with God. Progressivism doesn't put 
an emphasis on individualism. It puts an emphasis on collectivism and its relationship to government. They're two completely different ideologies. And so when they talk in Iowa about Bernie Sanders is leading in the polls or Bernie Sanders will win and so forth, and you have so-called populists in our country, some on television, some just in Congress, some who are eggheads, whatever. And they're out there talking about, oh, we're populists and so forth. Well, where does their populism end and Bernie Sanders' populism begin, Mr. Producer? Somebody needs to read a tr- write a treatise on this. Because I can't figure it out and neither can they. Which is why more and more of these so-called conservative populists sound more and more like Bernie Sanders or are more and more sympathetic to him. Oh, the Democrat Party's trying to stop Bernie Sanders. Well, he's not even a Democrat. And woe is me, Bernie Sanders is a victim. Who gives a crap? Let them brutalize him. Let them brutalize each other. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And this appeal, unfortunately, is an appeal that goes beyond our borders. Autocracy has an appeal, particularly among free people. Why? Because they never believe that it's going to devour their lifestyle. And, of course, their lifestyle is the target. Think about government-run health care for a minute. Let's say you can't get the drug that you want. Where are you going to go to get it? How are you going to appeal it? Let's say you have some horrific disease and it's very, very expensive. And you're not on the list at HHS or the CDC. You're not on the list. That is the disease you don't get. We see these things happening in Britain. We see these things happening in Germany and France. All around the EU. We see these things happening in Canada. And on top of that, what else do we see? They smother innovation. Life-saving drugs. And as many of you know, and as I've witnessed, and we're witnessing today, people who are extremely ill, extremely ill, many would do anything for a life-saving drug. And I want to take this one step further. Our minds... Our intellect, our brains are built to find solutions. Government is built to smother them. Redistribution of wealth, radical egalitarianism, that's not about allowing the human mind to develop knowledge, to grow intellectually. In any field, sciences, what have you. It smothers. It substitutes the will of the politician, the will of the bureaucrat, the will of the mob, or the will of the, 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 will of the tyrant. So it also tries to control what's between your ears. What you think, what you say, what you can develop and create and produce. It's anti human being. It's anti-compassion. Think about it. I'll be right back.
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Well, we think a Sanders supporter has found his way here. Steve in Manhattan on the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hi, I'm Mark. Um, actually, the reason why I support Bernie Sanders, too much wealth is concentrated in the top, and Ronald Reagan pretty much destroyed the United States. And what? I didn't hear that part. Ronald Reagan destroyed the middle class. There's no middle class. The minority of the country is the middle class. So there's no, there's no middle class. Everybody's starving. Everybody's dying. It's, it's terrible. Birth, birth, mortality, infant mortality rate is going up. Life expectancy is going down. Health care is going to the roof. All right, slow down, pal. Slow. Where are you getting all this information from? This data is publicly available. Not just tell, tell us where it's available so we, I can link to it and put it on all my social sites. Engines created called Google. Sir, sir we, 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 we've used Google. I know you're incredibly intelligent. I asked you to just give us one example where you're getting all this information from. The statistical data is almost from the government, from the world. No, Bank. no, you, no, no this. Which part of the government is giving you this information? What are you talking about? That the middle class, the middle class. Hello, pay attention. I'm educating you. The middle class in this country is the biggest, most powerful middle class on the face of the earth. To the extent it's it's shrinking, and I don't think it is, but to the extent it's shrinking will be due to what's being done to the middle class by jerks like you and jerk politicians that you support who tell people how much soda they can drink or what's in their pizzas. Uh, Jerks like you who uh, try to control everything that everybody can do, no matter how minuscule, no matter how small, make it impossible for entrepreneurs to develop in more and more states. Why do you think people leave states like your damn state and go into another state and then vote like jerks? They leave a state that they cannot stand, but they're Democrats. Go, 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 I got to vote Democrat. Then they move to other states to vote for tyranny in other states. What is liberty to you, sir? Can you define it? Liberty is actually something that can be taken away. Liberty is what? Liberty is something that can be taken away. Freedom Sir, I asked you, what is liberty? Liberty is something that can be taken away. No, no, no. What is liberty? liberty. You can take bubblegum away. I asked you a question. What is liberty? Liberty is like a driver's license. Liberty is like a driver's license. It's a privilege. No, liberty is not a privilege. Liberty is an unalienable right. You being on this phone, you jackass, that's a privilege. Now get the hell off the phone. Liberty is a privilege? All you Bernie Sanders sycophants out there, which are what, 12 of you? 
This is what we're up against. Just trash the hell out of this country. This country so bad, we must turn to democratic socialism, a.k.a. Marxism. Let me tell you, the losers in society want to get their hands in your pockets. That's what they want. The losers in society want your income. The losers in this society want your property. The losers in this society want everybody to be losers. Then they'll be happy. But then it's too late. I'll be right back. Going gets tough. A tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, I never thought this day would happen. Kevin McCarthy is the Republican leader in the House. I've hammered him over the years, but i got to tell you something. I have been giving this man credit where credit is due. I have never, ever seen the Republicans in the House pulled together to every man and woman in the House to defend the Constitution. And in that, this man deserves my absolute praise. Kevin McCarthy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark, and thank you so much for having me on. And I will tell you this. We are united because this president has brought us together. And the one thing that we see, and we see it across this country, Adam Schiff will lie no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're seeing a civil war inside the Democratic Party now. There's actually two of them are going on. One is that they're furious at Speaker Pelosi and Adam Schiff because he even lied to them about the whistleblower. And now you're watching an internal war going on with Bernie Sanders and the, their establishment over there. And you're in Iowa. I mean, do you get a sense that Bernie Sanders might actually win this thing there? I'll tell you what, I, I just flew out with the Trump family. We landed today. We did a rally. I'm going to go out and caucus for the president. I've been talking to people on the ground. I just had these Georgetown students been here for a week. They say Bernie Sanders is going to win big. Pete's going to come in second. And they think Biden's third or fourth. Well, what happens then? That shakes up their little uh, party, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. They, they. I just was asking, quizzing them, saying, now you've been here a week. They've gone to all the different events. They said, there's no enthusiasm for Biden. There's no one showing up there. And this is Bernie. they said, this is Bernie country throughout. And that's what's happening with this party, because you've got to think about this. This is not the Democratic Party of old that we would debate. This is a socialist Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And I want, you to, I want your listeners to think for one moment, what happens if Bernie was to win? Who does he hang around? AOC, Tlaib, Omar. This, these are his cabinet picks. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention that, that's quite scary. Now, uh, as for Bernie Sanders... I mean, I can understand why the Democrat Party's upset. He's not even a member of the Democrat Party. He's a Democratic oh. Socialist. No, he's, he, but he's taken over their party. Remember, when he got married, where did he go for his honeymoon? Moscow. And he came back and praised about the bread line, thought it was a better method. I mean, he's been true to his beliefs. That's the one credit we can give him. He is a socialist. Mr. Leader, how do you explain this, that the Democrat Party has moved so far to the left, it's really unrecognizable. It is. You know what's interesting? Speaker Pelosi only has the title. She does not have the power. You watch on the floor. It's AOC and Tlaib who are, who are running that floor. You watch their comments against Israel and others, and they can't even stand up to them. 
And they're making Pelosi look like she's a moderate in the Democratic Party, and she's representing San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's their philosophy that is really the battle about. But what's so great that we have, here we have a man who came into office, and what, he, what President Trump likes to say, he kept more promises than he even made. But <laughs> nobody has been able to accomplish what he set out to do. All the while, why they've been trying to impeach him with whatever light. And what frustrates me, because I'm sitting there every day, when they say, oh, they really didn't want to do this, I watched them try to impeach him before he was nominated. Watched mm-hmm. him try to impeach him before he was elected. Watched him on the day they were sworn in that night, said they want to impeach the mother. Watched him pledge to become the, and campaign to become chair of judiciary that, they, that Nadler would be the best for impeachment. I mean, this is all their entire agenda, all they've ever had. You're listening to Kevin McCarthy on the Mark Levin Show, my new friend. Kevin McCarthy, let me ask you this. You think he can take back the House? I know we can take back the House. Think for one moment. Bernie Sanders is their nominee. President Trump running for a re-election with the strongest economy we've had in our lifetime. There are 30 Democrats who sit in seats that President Trump carried. A year ago, I needed 19 seats to win. Today, I need 18 because we got a Democrat to switch. I've got a whole site out there. We're, we are better in recruiting than we've ever been. I was a recruitment chair in 2010. We have passed every threshold. And you want to talk about Democrats sitting out there, oh, they have a lot of liberal women running. I'm going to tell you about our conservative women. We have more women running in the Republican Party than in the history that we have ever had. The record was 143. We're tiling. 200. Mm-hmm. These are strong women out there. Then you look at people like Wesley Hunt in Houston, West Point graduate, um, flew Apaches, uh, happens to be African-American, saw his, fought for his freedom and said, now i got to fight on the homeland to protect our freedom when he watches what these people are doing. I mean, remember, Venezuela did not have some revolution. They won by simply having an election and then changing into a socialist country. This is socialism versus freedom, and there's no better person to have that battle than President Trump, who understands what it means. And with that, we're going to win the majority. We're going to take the House back. We're going to fundamentally make sure that we carry out what the promises this president has has said. Do you think if you take the House back, you can attempt to withdraw this impeachment of the president? Well, you know what? I said it this Sunday. Come Wednesday, this president's going to be acquitted for life. Mm-hmm. And I want Nancy Pelosi to know that. He's acquitted for life. And the thing that we can do inside the House, why don't we try to expunge that vote? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was based on lies. You know the, the other thing I'm going to do? Because we would have the majority in the Intel Committee. I would, I would have a vote to release that 18th transcript, the one where the inspector general came in. And let's really get to the bottom. Who met with the whistleblower first? Was it the inspector general? Did the inspector general ever know that they met with Adam Schiff ahead of time? What was this all orchestrated? And let's get to the bottom of the lies with Adam Schiff that put this country through the nightmare. No, very, very well said. So so everybody asks this question, I don't know, that anyone can answer. Who do you think has the inside track for this nomination? I still think it's wide open on the Democrat side. I think it's wide open. But remember... If you look at the majority of the Democrats, they are pretty much where Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is. If Elizabeth Warren drops out, Bernie is the nominee. 
If Bernie wins tonight in Iowa, we know he will win in New Hampshire. New Hampshire has been the biggest indicator for who becomes the nominee in either party. And then you go down South Carolina. Remember, California is early, and it's not winner-take-all, but Bernie Sanders is leading in California. Four years ago, they cheated him. He should have won the nomination in the Democratic Party. Remember, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the chair of the Democratic Party, had to resign the night before the convention because her emails came forward that they were cheating. Remember? And they, had, they changed. and They took away the superdelegates on the first round because what they did to Bernie Sanders last time. And Honestly? Obama? Yeah. I know everybody's worried about that. I don't care if they screw Bernie Sanders. <laughs> what do I care? In fact, they can do it to each other as far as I'm concerned. Just... It, it really doesn't bother me. And if I'm a Democrat, I'm just telling you the truth, Mr. McCarthy. If I'm a Democrat, I look at this, this Democratic Socialist in my party who doesn't – he's not even a member. He's never been a member of my party. Of course I'm going to try and take him down. How can a Democratic Party nominate somebody that's never even belonged to them? How do you see his name on television? It doesn't say Bernie Sanders with a D. It says with an I, right? Because mm-hmm. he's a socialist. When he was in the House, he had his own little party, a socialist party. <laughs> that, but that tells a lot that maybe the Democratic Party should change their name. Maybe they should break up. And the one thing I will tell you, you're welcome, just like Jeff Van Drew. Stick with the Constitution. Come to the Republican Party. You know, mm-hmm. we have a place for you. You can join us. Join a new movement that believes in America first, not blaming America first. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure to have you, and we look forward to having you back. And, uh, and good luck in Iowa. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on, and I can't wait to come back on your show. All right. God bless. Take care of yourself. We bumped into each other at the, uh, at the unveiling of the, uh, of the Israel and United States peace plan at the White House. And uh, so I invited him on the program, and he accepted. I think he's become more conservative as a result of the Democrats and the hard left, don't you, Mr. Producer? He sounds good. He sounds good. And uh, look, they held that Republican caucus together. Not one splintered off. That is amazing. In the House of Representatives. Usually there's one kumquat among them. One knucklehead. But not one. And they have been messaging beautifully. On the Constitution. With the rule of law. And on the left. Their rogue conduct and so forth. And this is when the, this is when the rubber hits the road. This is a, a major thing. When another party is trying to take out. The president of another party the candidate of another party, the would-be candidate of another party, and reverse the course of election. This is where the rubber hits the road. You're going to defend the Constitution and maintain it or not? It's not some little program, you know, at the Agriculture Department. And they stood their line. They stood their line. And that is very, very important. And so I give them kudos for that. You know, there's... uh, I like Howard Kurtz on Fox very, very much. I think he's really, he and uh, Joe Contra are really the only serious media analysts out there. Maybe there's a couple more, but they're few and far between. And I remember Howard Kurtz when he wrote for the Washington Post, and he wasn't so down the middle 
in my opinion, as he kept attacking my boss, Attorney General Meese. But I really have come to appreciate his program on Fox. I don't know him. I'm just telling you the truth. But he asked a very interesting question. How can people who view John Bolton as iconic now criticize him? And I'm a little surprised by that question because I think it's quite easy. Ronald Reagan said he left the Democrat Party because the party left him. The John Bolton many of us have known, and me included, for decades would never have done what he's doing. He would have believed in executive privilege. He would have believed in, in, uh, in, in not writing a tell-all book. Resign, re- resigning on principle? Sure. And so that's why so many people are critical of Bolton. I haven't called him names. I'm not trying to destroy his life. But you can't witness what's taking place and not comment on it. Because it's, it's a shocking uh, event that's taking place. To have a former NSC individual do what John is doing. So I would just answer and say, it's not a matter of believing in John and then leaving John. It's a matter of John leaving John. And the principles that he embraced. That's the answer. I want to tell you about Booksco. And you're going to say to me, Mark, what is Booksco? I'm here to tell you. Booksco. Just because she says she doesn't want anything for Valentine's Day doesn't mean she doesn't deserve anything. Not to worry. The Booksco has you covered. Now, what is Booksco? It's spelled B-O-U-Q-S. Like bouquet, the beginning letters, five letters of bouquet. Books, B-O-U-Q-S, as in bouquet of flowers. They offer farm, fresh, sustainably sourced flowers for next or same-day delivery. Order today, today, and you'll get 25% off your entire purchase. Go to books.com, that's B-O-U-K-S, B-O-U-K-S, the first five letters in bouquet. Slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, that's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, slash Levin. For 25% off, we code Levin. It's pretty simple if you think about it. Remember, Valentine's Day isn't just for lovers. Show your best friend some love. Show your mom, your aunt, your daughter, your granddaughter, and of course your wife. Now, you think it's cold outside now, fellas? Wait until you forget Valentine's Day. The Books Co. is here to make your life easier, and they offer more than just roses. You'll find sweet treats, beautifully styled bouquets, plants, gifts, and succulents on their site. This Valentine's Day, spread the book love with your first love, your forever love, and your loved ones. I really want you to check this out. You've heard of the others. We've talked about the others. But when these folks came forward, it was obvious to us. These are the most beautiful, fresh flowers at the best prices. That's why they're a sponsor on my program. So go to B-O-U-Q-S, B-O-U-Q-S dot com, books dot com slash living. Go there now. Check it out. That's L-E-V-I-N. And you'll get 25% off with code Levin. B-O-U-Q-S, books dot com slash L-E-V-I-N Levin. 25% off. See, here's what we figure. If you figure out how to get to that website and to use my name as a code, we're going to give you 25% off. So go for it, baby. 
B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Levin. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Well, we have a couple of Democratic Socialist Bernie supporters. And if we can't get to them this hour, we'll definitely want to get to them next hour. And they're going to explain to us why Bernie's the man. Now, if you have a mortgage, you have an incredible opportunity in front of you. And that's because rates are so very close to the lowest they've been in more than three years. As a matter of fact, rates are so low. If you have any way to take advantage of it with American financing, you really should. Strongly encourage you. That's because I've never seen anything like this. So if you got a mortgage, as an example, three or more years ago, you may need to refi to get a better deal today. Because a lower rate means a lower payment and tens of thousands of dollars in overall interest savings. So why not make today the day you call my friends at American Financing? They're there. They're poised to take your call. No pressure. Get a free mortgage review and see just how much you can save. And it could be up to $1,000 a month, maybe more. I recommend American Financing because they are family-owned. And they are focused on you. And I know these people. I've talked to these people. Your best interests are truly top of mind. They've got custom loans and fast closings. And best of all, when you refinance with American Financing, you don't have to reset your mortgage terms. You may even be able to postpone two mortgage payments. So don't wait. Don't wait. You'll regret it. You'll look over your shoulder and say, what the hell was I thinking? Make the free 10-minute call today. That's it. You can call them tonight. Free 10-minute call. 888-900-1828. That's their number. 888 888- 900-1828-888-900-1828. If you want to go online, it's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. How much time do I have, Rich? Well, let's just start and see how this goes with our friends. Zvi, Zvi in L.A., uh, the great 870, the answer, where we're live and national. How are you, Zvi? Good. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a fan of the, a lot of his policies. Like, I like Bernie's, he wants to erase student debt, which I think is pretty good. I don't know why. Why, why should we erase student debt? It's a big part of it, because I think the colleges are taking way more than they should, and the government's, like, subsidizing it. So why, so why did these kids do this? Some kids, to get a better-paying job, they want to go to college and get an education. I know, but so why should I pay for that? Who said you should? The, the colleges shouldn't be getting such huge... Sir, sir you just said we should, we should eliminate the debt. The college has already got the money. These kids have a debt. They owe it to the government. We're the government. So I'm asking you, why should I pay for that? No, the colleges should. Which they're well, gonna, the colleges they're can't. Because the colleges it. don't make money. Let's keep you on the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, if you don't mind. V, do you mind holding on? Sure. All right, we'll be right back with Z. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-381. Of course, Democrats don't want Bernie to win the nominee. He's not a Democrat. Why is this so hard for some people to understand? I want to go back to Zvi. Zvi, are you with us, sir? Yes, I'm here. Okay, make your proposition again, please. So my, I like Bernie for one of his proposals for erasing student debt because I think they're do you, do you have student debt? Some, yeah. How much? Not a lot, but I want to go into law. How, mu- how much? A couple thousand. A couple thousand, and I should pay to clean up your debt. No, I think the, the, the colleges should... Sir, sir, these are inanimate objects. Colleges, government, brick and mortar don't pay anything. The taxpayer pays everything. There's, over, there's, there's an enormous amount of student debt. So when you say the colleges should pay for it, they spent it. They don't have it anymore. They gave it to tenured Marxist professors. They built more tennis courts and indoor swimming pools. They're paying it to overpaid administrators. The money is gone. That's why every year they need more. So when you say student loans should be wiped out, <clears throat> which is very nice of you, since you have no intention of paying any of it, that means two-thirds of the people who didn't go to college have to pay off the student loans of people who went to Ivy League schools or even state schools. And I don't know about you. I wasn't involved in getting your loan. Were you, did, did, did you ask the country to participate in that process? No. I'm... No, you did it on your own. True. For your own personal, selfish, and I don't mean that in a rude way, selfish, your own self-interest, your own selfish reasons. And now... Everybody else should pay it off. Do you think that's the way human behavior should work? It's not that black and white. I'm talking about if for a regular case when a guy has to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. For a non- guy doesn't have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's colleges all over this country where a guy doesn't have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can start in community. Look, I'll give you an example in Virginia. You go to community college for two years in Virginia, two years rather, and you get a B or over average. <clears throat> You, you are accepted into state schools, and you pay the state tuition rate. The state has uh, loan programs. The feds have loan programs. Mom and dad are around. Or you can work a little bit on the side to help pay off your tuition. You think this is the first time people went to college? No, but... Well, well I don't remember my generation saying, Hey, hey, I got all these loans. Woe is me. Now, everybody else, pay it off. Do you understand the psychology? You weren't ripped off. You weren't charged the same disproportionate amount. Well, you weren't ripped off either. You you did this in a voluntary way. You're not stupid, are you? No. When you go to buy a car and they say, oh, guess what? It's $300,000 for a Volkswagen. Do you say, good, I need wheels, I'm going to buy it? I do. You do? No, it depends if it's worth it or not. Well, it's not, is it? And do you shop around when you buy a car? Yes. Did you shop around when you decided to go to a college? I did, but when I'm looking at furthering my education, it's all you're looking at a lot. Well, of then money. go to an affordable college. You know where I went to college? No, you wouldn't know. I went to a school called Temple University in Philadelphia. If I had gone to other Penn, Penn, it would have cost my my parents and me an arm and a leg. So I didn't go. I didn't even try. 
And look at me, I'm brilliant. Now, by the way, what else do you support? I like his stance on, on taxes, that he's going to tax the corporations that aren't paying money. Well, there's only a handful of corporations that aren't paying money, and most of them are run by leftists. But let's, not, put the, let, let, let's put them aside. Do you know what my effective tax rate is, sir? Probably like 60 50%. Yeah, almost 50 55%. And that's not fair. And then you have these Google, they're not paying any taxes. Why is that fair? Well, it's not fair, but I assume their employees are paying taxes, aren't they? But the employees are. I am not defending companies that don't pay any taxes. I'm asking you a question. Do their employees pay taxes? Do employees? They do, but the higher they are. Pay, I, I, I pay attention. So if Google goes away, their employees don't exist anymore, right? That's true. So they don't have salaries, pensions, medical care, and they don't pay taxes, right? Yeah. So in the big scheme of things, yes, do I think Google should pay taxes? Yes, but that's not an excuse to massively increase taxes on American businesses. Do, American, do American businesses – what's that? Some businesses pay taxes. The Some businesses, businesses pay a lot of taxes. What is it? The small businesses do until they get to, to – Well, so do big companies pay taxes, for instance – ExxonMobil pays a crap load in taxes, and if they do business overseas, they pay taxes overseas. They pay every state and local tax that exists, wherever they have hardware, wherever they have pipelines. They pay the taxes are paid on a gallon of gas. Taxes, taxes aren't the problem. Spending's the problem. Yeah, Can you listen? Look at the world this way. Can you imagine, rather than having four and a half to five trillion dollars in the hands of the federal government, if that money was in the private sector? The companies that would be created, the competition there would be, the capital investment, the R&D, an explosive of growth, uh, explosion of economic activity. Why do we think giving money? What is the government? It's bureaucrats and politicians, right? Yeah. Well, why would you give all this money to bureaucrats and politicians? They're not making noble decisions. No, I, want, I want that everybody, if I'm paying a certain rate, you're paying a certain rate, companies should be paying somewhat that same rate. If your argument is there should be a flat rate, I'm with you. I even argue that in, uh, in Liberty and Tyranny. If you're arguing that there should be a flat rate, whether you make $10,000 a year or $10 trillion a year, that's the cleanest way to do it. Not I've got on the individual level, more on the corporate level, because it's not only... It's irrelevant. The corporate level, the individual level, the taxes flow down to the individual. Again, when you walk into a steel and glass building, the steel and glass building doesn't pay anything. Yeah. It's the people who work there who pay it. And so what I'm saying to you is, you make a legitimate argument. I don't know how corporation, any corporation gets away without paying a tax, but that's beside the point. This is what the left does. Look at them over there. Now let's destroy the entire economic system. No. Here's my argument. A low, flat rate. That's unfair to poor people. Why? Because let's say somebody's struggling or they just can't for the situation they're in. Why should they be paying the same amount? As Sir, we're going bankrupt paying for poor people. Have okay. you heard of the New Deal? Have you heard of the Great Society? I have. Have you heard of the Fair Deal, the Square Deal? The Schlemiel? Oh, that's another no, issue. Have you heard of Obamacare? Have yeah. you heard of all these things? Yes, I have. There's a massive redistribution of wealth that takes place in this country. Not to the rich, but to other people. So, I mean, I don't know how much more broke we can go doing that. And it's not healthy for a society either. 
And no society in the end can survive that way. Can you, can you show me one place where serious socialism actually creates... Hold on, creates what? Well, England doesn't create wealth through socialism. Socialism is... Look, I know, but you need wealth to do things. So they've balanced this to some extent. No, they haven't balanced it at all. Oh, let me tell you how they balance it in their national health care system. Takes six months to get a knee replaced. In America, it takes three weeks. Yeah, but the rich, they could opt down. They could Forget about the rich. Work. You're obsessed. I'm talking about people, average people in a country. Yeah, on the average level, there, yeah, there's bigger waiting time. Why? Because the government's taken over. It's more, it's more unique. Oh, really? And what does Bernie Sanders want to do? He wants to do that, but everyone will get a plan. Sir, everyone will get a plan. Who cares? A plan doesn't fix your knee. If you're waiting and waiting and waiting, a plan doesn't mean anything. A plan is cheesy. A plan is nothing. If a plan worked, Castro's Cuba would be the most fabulous society on the face of the earth. They got plans all over the place down there. Same as Venezuela. Now, come on. You're a smart guy. How old are you? 23. You went to college? Yes. What was your major? In liberal arts. Liberal art, which is a basic, that's the typical liberal arts, and that's good. A little bit of literature, right? A little bit of uh, arithmetic, a little bit of economics, a little bit of... That's good. Well-rounded education, I got it. But the point is, you got to use your noggin. You got to look around society and say to myself, oh, no, wait a minute. The government already has four and a half trillion dollars. It's running up massive debt. So if they, if they just forgive debt... The taxpayer isn't anyway paying for You can't it. just forgive debt because there's creditors. I'm talking about to the colleges. Anyways, they've been ripping off. You can't. They, they, that means the American people have to step in and pay it. Because you owe the government money. But it's a deficit. The, co- the colleges are, 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 are a run-through. It's like the insurance companies are a run-through anymore. These are policies that are promoted and paid for by the government. The government basically nationalized the college loan system. But, 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 it's, but on a moral basis, why, if two-thirds of the American people haven't gone to college or haven't graduated from a four-year institution and earn, on average, less than somebody who has, why should they subsidize you? And well, your answer is, well, they're not. The colleges should. Well, they will because the colleges and the government are subsidized by these people. Yes. Where do you think the money comes from? Workers. It's money that hasn't happened because they haven't... It is money that's happened. You just spent it. It's on a $4 trillion debt, the government, every year. So, like, if that money... It's not $4 trillion every year. It's a, unfortunately, it's a little over a trillion every year, which is a disaster. So that by, the way, amount, by, the, by, by the way, here's my question to you. Yes. How long can that go on for? Well, as long as, I guess, the dollar keeps buffing and the government keeps printing... And then what happens? And it's Germany. <laughs> That's not pretty good, is it? No. So you're not for that, are you? I'm not for the Fed, no. So you're not for printing and printing and printing, are you? No. Then what are you for? I'm for my student debts being paid. <laughs> All right, you're being a little selfish, right? True. Okay. There's no... It's, Basically, what you're saying is, I want the government to do what I can't go on, do on my own. In other words, I can't walk into a bank with a gun and hold up the teller and say, hey, I got a $5,000 debt, 
and I need you to... Rather, you'd have the government pass a law and say, hey, everybody, here's a $5,000 debt. We're passing a law. Now it's illegal. It's immoral. People are struggling all the time. You want to point to companies that don't pay taxes, which are a relative handful. They don't make the difference. It's not a they, handful. because Sir, sir the money is too massive. The debt is too massive. You can take every company in this country and nationalize them. It doesn't equal $250 trillion. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but it's not. When you say it's a handful of people, it's a handful of executives, yeah, who are... Uh, I don't know. Are, you don't know what the tax returns of executives are. That's not public. It's publicly traded. And sir, 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 you're confusing companies with executives. Company itself isn't paying taxes, and 30% of the country are getting... If it were up to me, we'd all pay minimal taxes, and we have the most explosive economic growth, the spreading of the wealth, the redistribution of wealth on a voluntary basis that we've ever seen on the face of the earth. Don't tell me taxes are the great equalizer. Taxes are the great killer. And as I tried to explain to you earlier, if our tax rates are higher and companies are paying taxes, there is a corporate income tax revenue line that the federal government receives. You can point to some companies, and I can point to some student cheats who take out student loans and use them for things they don't say they're going to use them for. That doesn't mean all student loans are bad. Yeah. And by the way, I can point to a, a zillion government programs that waste money. The GAO, the Volta GAO, that went after the president the other day, says our federal government wastes, wastes $250 billion dollars a year. So don't keep telling me we ought to give the federal government more. There's no accountability. Anyway, Zev, I mean, Zev, right? Zvi. Zvi. What kind of name is V? Is Jewish. it Swedish? Jewish. I know, but what, what area? It means a deer. It's Hebrew for a deer. Now, where are you from originally, your ancestors? My dad's Persian. I'm yeah. like my mom's British. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. Zvi, good call. I'm going to send you a book. Will you read it if I send it to you? I will. Do we have a copy of Plunder and Deceit there, Mr. Producer? If we do, let's send it to him. If we don't, let's get it from the publisher. Zv, don't hang up. We want your address. Thank you, sir. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, there was a Jeopardy program today, ladies and gentlemen, as there always is. And something very predictable happened. Take a listen. 
Since 2013, weekday afternoons on CNN have featured the lead with this man. And this man is Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper? They didn't know who Jake Tapper is. Much like Adam Schiff. These are people who have real lives, aren't they, Mr. Producer? They're not messing around with Adam Schiff, Jake Tapper. I could have told you they wouldn't know who Jake Tapper is. People at CNN don't even know who Jake Tapper is. They don't even watch Jake Tapper. Um, who's our next Democratic Socialist? XM Satellite, Ed in Michigan. How are you, sir? You done? What? You done talking? You know what, pal? Go to hell. You mean am I done? Done talking? I don't even bother with folks like this, ladies and gentlemen. Are you done? You know, screw off. The hell, what, what the hell? You think you're better than everybody because you support Bernie Sanders and you're part of the resistance? That guy's definitely a member of FU, Fatties United, Mr. Producer. So FU to that guy. Who's next? Nick in Los Angeles. How are you, sir? Hey, how's it going? Okay. It's your I turn, sir. I that last guy being an idiot, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. But you don't have to, because you didn't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I had a buddy that uh, told me that you were looking for somebody who knew about Bernie Sanders, and I just wanted to have like an intelligent conversation. It seems like you're the kind of guy that likes to have Go those. for it, baby. Um, so um, I think the first topic I'd like to talk about is um, Medicare for All. Um, well, we have, med- we have Medicare for All who qualify for it. All who qualifies. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the system. It's a, it's a massive program that is in massive debt right now. Did you know that? The pro which program? The Obama Medicare. Care? Medicare is going broke in eight years. Yeah, I mean, so the problem with a lot of social, uh, I guess, institutions is that they're just organized improperly, and I think a lot of the right wing people don't like them because of that. And I even. By the way, I'm not right wing. Like I'm a constitutionalist. Like I can't be right wing. No. <laughs> I, I don't really watch your show, so I'm unfamiliar. I apologize. But I'm on radio. You don't need to watch it. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, it's the right thing for Well, let's society. slow down. So how should we organize Medicare? Apparently, uh, apparently the uh, Great Society didn't organize it properly. How should we organize Medicare to make it broader, to make it more available, and less expensive? The less expensive part, I think, is kind of easy. So a lot of these companies are just jacking up the prices of the stuff. Have you seen, like, the insulin stuff where they're charging? You know, it's easy to say. A lot of these companies are jacking up the price of insulin. Which company? Uh, Oh, I'm not familiar specifically with the company. And how much does it cost to develop these various drugs? Do we even know? Uh, It costs quite a bit of money. A lot of the money is actually funded through government programs. But a lot of money um, is not funded through government programs. They put enormous... I'm going to keep you over if you don't matter because you actually like to have a conversation. There's an enormous sum of money. This is all publicly available, as they say on Google, uh, in research and development, and usually come up empty. But I, I want to continue with the conversation. Thank you. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, And I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Breaking news, the doors are now closed at the Iowa caucuses. First results expected in an hour. (laughs) And you'll hang on till 1130 at night and then 12. Do we have results? Yes, finally. By the way, let me say this before we move on with our friend Nick in California. That halftime show was disgusting. And there's a conflict here. On the one hand, we have the Me Too movement. On the other hand, we have women grabbing their crotches and shaking their uh, booty on TV where little kids are watching the Super Bowl. What is with this idiot that runs the, uh, the NFL? What's his name again? Gets 40 millions at R- Roger Goodell. Well, Roger this, Roger. You get 40 million a year, plus a free jet, plus health care the rest of your life, plus God knows what. Can't you straighten this out? Two nearly middle-aged women running around, their breasts hanging out of their dress, bare almost, their tuchuses hanging out of their pants almost, grabbing their crotch. What is this? And meanwhile, sitting on their butts. Jay-Z, Beyonce, what's the, the door? Uh, Blue Ivy, whatever. Billionaires. Hey, we're in the social justice, man. What are you talking about? Why are you even there? Why aren't you out on the streets working on social justice, whatever that is? Billionaires. It's really tough to be a billionaire and fight for social justice, isn't it? It's disgusting. The whole thing is a charade. Yes, charade, I know. Back to Nick in California. How are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you? Good. What did you think of that halftime show, Nick? Can we at least agree on this? I honestly didn't watch it, uh, but... Uh, what, were, what were you doing? I was uh, just working on projects around the house. You weren't, like, out getting a student loan or something that you want someone else to pay, were you? No, that was kind of ridiculous. All right, go right ahead. <laughs> Where were we? Uh, oh, Medicare well, for we All. talking about... Medicare for All. Um, who, who funds the uh, research? I did a little bit of research online while we were waiting in a... Yeah. I found a website that doesn't seem to be super reputable, but it just said a third. All right, if it's not weapons. super, it's a third what? A, th- a third of the um, the drug research money comes from the government. All right, a couple of things. Number one, you said it's quasi-reputable. Number two, it depends on the company, doesn't it? What, the research? No, it's in the general research, all of the drugs. Yeah, I'm not – well, they're talking about all the money they give colleges and universities. They're not talking about money that these companies get. Right? 
I think I'm confused well, on what you're there. In other words, there's a lot of research that takes place in colleges and universities. There's a lot of research that takes place in government. You have uh, the National Institute of Health. You have the National Science. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about companies that pour billions and billions of dollars into trying to... Look, dementia is one of the biggest problems we have in this country, and it's growing and growing and growing. Alzheimer's, I read about this all the time. Companies have poured billions and billions into this, and they're no closer to finding a solution than they are now. That's lost money. And for the prior guy, that's, that some companies pay zero in taxes because they've spent billions of dollars in research and development. That's the tax code, and so, and so be it. Why? It, it should be used to pay off student loans. But I want to get back to your other point. You talked about Medicare for all. The problem is it's not set up right. You understand that is the argument that every failed communist regime has made. Everything would be great, but for the fact that people who ran it suck, but for the fact the original model wasn't right. How about the ideology is wrong? There's a lot of corruption, though. I mean, you think... Forget about corruption. Yeah, there's corruption in everything. I just told you $250 billion in waste, fraud, and abuse. You want to Google that? according to the GAO, every year in the federal government. So let's, let's agree. Let's, for now, stipulate there's a lot of corruption. So that's, so that's not the answer. There's corruption in government. There's corruption outside of government. The answer is, how do you get services to people in the most efficient way? Will you also create new technologies, new medicines, perhaps new inventions that fix stuff? You're not going to get it out of the Department of HHS. It's not going to happen. You're going to get it in labs around the country. You're going to get it on people who want to invent things and make a profit and do stuff like that. By the way, who are employed in the federal government? Who's employed in the federal government? Federal employees? Yes, but how do they get their jobs? By applying for them uh, through... But I mean, the- are, they the, are they the brightest that we have in the private sector? They all want to become GS-12s at the Department of Agriculture? You understand what I'm saying? These people, ha- are, they, are, they have union jobs. I'm, I'm just pointing it out, not attacking it. Civil service, union jobs, seniority, as I write in my book, Rediscovering Americanism. You know, I'm going to send you that book, by the way. The, these people aren't hired because they're the best of the best. So, I, I, so I'm, confu- I'm confused. How would you set up Medicare to have Medicare for all? The government's had its shot. It's called the Veterans Administration. Well, I think one of the things is putting caps on companies that uh, create... Why do you guys always want to attack companies? I'm asking you, if you had a blueprint that you could... Forget about companies. Forget about money. What model would you set up to get the most health care to the most people? What would you do? Well, that's kind of a weird question to ask me because that's not my... I don't study that. I don't. Oh, and Bernie Sanders do does. Well, what's his proposal? You said you support it. <laughs> Well, he and all leaders really just find the people that do study that and bring them under. They're not leaders. What makes him a leader? Everybody who's running is a potential leader, yeah. No, no, they're not even potential leaders. They're potential victors. But that doesn't make them a leader. You you see, now we're playing playing games. You want to know why? Because you don't have an answer. Be honest. And what I'm trying to tell you is Bernie Sanders doesn't have an answer. Hold on. When Bernie Sanders was asked, where's this money going to come from? I don't know. Nobody knows. Well, all of the all of the um, potential candidates have their uh, policies on their websites that are pretty detailed. You can go in and read them all. I didn't ask you that. 
What is Bernie Sanders going to do to get more health care to more people? Okay, well, here's one point, if you'll let me finish talking, please. So, well, if you're uh, going to tell me to go to their websites, it's a waste of time. No, no. Um, just one point is that, you know, we, a lot of the companies are charging absurd amounts of money for things. When you go into the hospital, you pay like $40 to hold your baby after you give birth to it. There's a lot of things that are just jacked up. Sir, sir, I, I don't know where you're getting this stuff. I pay 55% in taxes. Nobody's charging me 55% in taxes on what I pay. And I don't know what you're talking about. We have free health care up the wazoo in this country. We have free drugs that people can get if they can actually show that they're, they're impoverished. Most people want something for nothing. You know what I'm getting from the calls from you Bernie Sanders supporters? You want something to noth- for nothing? You just have easy answers. The corporations are corrupt and, and, uh, and go on their website. and so- You don't have any answers. I'm just saying that if you restructure and make less waste, and stop charging people absurd amounts for things. Then it would- I, I'm trying to explain to you that if you restructure, you say the government restructure. The government can't even restructure itself to reduce weight and waste. And there aren't people in the government, for the most part, who are capable of it. Anyway, I want you to rethink your thoughts. I'm going to send you a copy of Rediscovering Americanism. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Circling back briefly, and we will circle back a lot about Rush. Rush has class. Class. He really does. He has compassion. He's unique. One of a kind. And I don't think it's particularly respectful to trash everybody else when saying what, what are good things and right things to say about Rush. Are you noticing this, Mr. Producer? It's really pretty, it's pretty outrageous. Now is not the time to settle scores. Now is not the time to make points attacking hosts you may not I'm not even talking about me now is the time to act like a genuine human being 
And it, now's the time to act like somebody who really cares about Rush Limbaugh. And we're going to keep a close eye on his situation the best I can. He's a very, very private man, too. You know, the funny thing is, the braggadocio on air is part of the... It's it's shtick. Because he never brags in person, Mr. Bidu. Ever. Ever. Very modest. At least in the past, when I've known him all those years, he's very, very modest. And... Um, Anyway, I think he's given voice to a lot of people over the years that didn't have voice. He came before the Tea Party movement. He came before the Trump movement. He came before a lot of these things. And he stirred the population. And tens of millions embraced him. He also stirred others who could not tolerate engagement on ideas. And by a guy who was having a hell of a lot of fun doing it. A lot of fun doing it. And people are attracted to that. I have been attracted to it the first time I heard Rush Limbaugh. So I understand completely. Uh, Let's see, do we have another... Democratic Socialist, Mr. Producer. All out of that. It's almost too easy. I don't mean to be rude. It's almost too easy. And by the way, we have no results. Can I be honest with you? I, I, I tell you, I tell you straight. There are no results yet in Iowa. The doors are closed. The left-wing helter-stelter has become, has begun. Then they'll Hey, I just figured this out, Mr. Producer. I know why these leftists like these sort of closed-door testimony-type depositions that Adam Schiff had. Reminds them of the Iowa caucuses. They lock the doors and they go in there and they yell at each other. That's what they do. All right, who's our next caller? Yeah. KSFO, San Francisco. Kurt, I guess you're a little upset today, Kurt. Yes, not not at you, of course. You, I thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, the people who I work in the pharmaceutical industry and people who bash them really makes me irritated. I mean, we're living. If you've got a life-threatening illness, you're living in the right century and in the right country. I mean, hold on I there, hold on there. That is a brilliant statement. I, I, I just think we're so spoiled. We go to a pharmacy. We expect to get stuff for $12, four different drugs, uh, with, with the, whatever you have. Boom, boom, boom. It just shows up. It's like going to the grocery store, and all of a sudden there's 15 different types of cuts of meat and 12 different types of fishes and wine from all over the world and, and in our country. And you just expect it to be there. Life doesn't – it's not that way. We're the end users. But there's people doing a lot of stuff to get it to us. And, and some of the brilliance that these people have is, is utterly amazing. I mean, there's no guarantee that a drug is going to get to market. These companies spend tens of done hundreds of millions of dollars trying to cure cancer and serious diseases like that. 
And to these socialists out there who would limit your drugs, I'd say, do you want a life-saving drug at an exorbitant price, or do you want no life-saving drug at any price? I mean, I, I'm sorry if I come across as irritated. No, I, 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 you're right on. And unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, the Republican Party is mostly caved on this. There's nobody making your case. Nobody, I make the case, and you ought to see all the haters out there. Well, that's because you can afford No, I want everybody to have access to it. The, the fact that everybody doesn't have access to something doesn't make me feel good, does it you? Not at all. You know, and just ask the woman, some woman like 10 years ago in the U.K. was denied a Vastin, which is a cancer treatment, because it was too expensive. And she says, well, I can afford to pay for it. They said no, you know. And do you want somebody like, you know, pick a Democrat or pick a bureaucrat regulating what you can get? I mean, I don't know about you, but if my wife had a serious disease, I'd, hell, I'd mortgage the house. I'd, I'd go live in a tent to make sure. Well, this is another point. Another point is people who, who would have to do things that are somewhat extraordinary to take care of the health of family members. Some do, by the way. But a lot simply don't want to. Oh, that's sad. You know, I have to tell you, the kind of care my parents had at the end of their lives, they both had cancer. And they both died within four months of each other. And there were all kinds of cutting-edge drugs out there. But the coverage, Medicare didn't cover all this stuff. We covered all this stuff. And I was glad I could. Anyway, we'll move on. I want to thank you, sir. We'll, We'll discuss this in the future as well. Tonight, we salute Rush Limbaugh. That's it. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.